Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Listeners, those of you who have joined us today, uh, if you are just beginning into the spiritual path, you might be a little bit blown away because this is going to go way beyond, way out of the box, um, and you're going to get an introduction into something that really is more familiar to those people who have already had various ascension practices. And so I say that out of respect to you, for you to kind of evaluate where you're at. Um, so that you're not blown away, but instead you are curious and intrigued. And for those of you who are already in the advanced paths, we all need our guides and our teachers to move us forward because it's rare opportunity when we can say, oh, my goodness, I need a teacher that's way beyond me. Who, who can I access? Maureen J. St. Germain, I believe, is one of those individuals that we can access. And therefore, hi, Maureen St. Germain. Thank you so much for joining us and teaching us today. My pleasure. I'm deeply honored to be working with you, who are also very, very um, proactively assisting humans with all the work you're doing and all the writing you've done to support um, self-mastery, and the ascension on the planet. Thank you. That was very honorable. I appreciate that. That's very warm. And I think that as we move into the 5D, because you have written this book, Awaken the 5D, instead of talking about the basic purpose of it, because folks, I tell you, there's so much information on YouTube and interviews where you can, in addition to reading this very intriguing book, um, where you can get the introduction to this information. So, Maureen, I would first like to ask you to put into context what 5D means for you in light of the Christian mystics that might talk about Christ consciousness or the Kabbalists that move into the tree of life consciousness and more, uh, the, the Buddhists who are well-practicing all the noble truths and are on their eight paths, to the Hindus who are in their self-actualization, self-realization type movements. And I could go on and on and on, but those are four traditions. And how does the fifth dimension either speak to a different way of saying consciousness and ascension, or is it different? So um, what I would like to offer is that from a practical, simplistic standpoint, the understanding of the ascension is the same as the understanding of the light body, which is also called the Merkaba. And initially, the understanding and the experience was of transformation of the physical body to the rainbow body. It is now known that this reality is not going to take that transformation and instead we are taking the physical body into physical mastery and aligning the physical mental emotional and etheric bodies in such a way that they are in complete harmony with the divine in so doing we move out of polarity we move out of judgment 
and we move into a whole new realm of creation. Now, I want to give a metaphor to help this to be understood. When we step out of judgment, it does not mean we give up discernment. What it means is that 50% of the choices are gone. So if you could imagine inviting someone you highly respect for a stay, and let's say through connections you're able to do that, and then you're given the chance to host this person and the dates that they need maybe are the dates you schedules for your vacation. Well, there's, there's a no-brainer. You're going to choose to take your vacation at home. You're not going to consider being away while this important guest is going to be visiting. Next, you're going to want to know all kinds of details about what this person needs to be satisfied, whether it's a certain kind of food, a certain kind of sleeping arrangements, a certain kind of music, whatever it is. Never once in that opportunity do you consider the possibility of not taking it. That's what it's like when you step out of judgment. That's what it's like when you step off of the not God choices. 50% of the choices go away, but the other 50%, which are almost unlimited, are still there. So when we talk about you know moving into our divine self, we're not becoming perfect in the sense that there's only one choice because it's simply not true. In polarity, we think of one choice, the truth. And I will never forget the time that someone who drove through a blinding snowstorm, and when I asked, you know, why are you here? And she goes through this whole big thing about, I went through this blinding snowstorm to get here, blah, blah, blah. And the end she, en- she ends up with, and I'm here for the truth. And I just started to laugh, and I said, well, I don't do the truth. You came to the wrong place. Because the truth implies authenticity. And so when you move into this, higher consciousness, all experiences that are attentive to God, that are in alignment with the divine, are viable. It also means that anything that is not connected with God is not viable. And this goes back into a very deep, deep mysticism about the so-called man and the fall of humanity that's directly related to those beings who were supposed to be oversight for the planet. And they decided that instead of following the agenda that was laid out for them, that they would take a different tack and they chose to breed humanity in a way that would move us more towards our warring side. Just like you could breed a dog to be a fighter. We could breed other animals to fight, <coughs> excuse me, or to be, um, what's the word I want, negative. And so humanity followed that diversion. And at the same time, there were other beings of light who came to the planet to give huge assistance, and then there was this whole movement in the other direction. But we're still trying to clean up some of that, what I would call, riffraff that has been on the planet for a very long time. So when people want to look at evil, when people want to look at the darkness that's here, and they want to, quote, judge it, they miss the mark. Because the minute we move into judgment of it, we are giving up our divine connection. Because unlike some of the mystics 
I will tell you that God herself, God himself, did not have any idea of what man's inhumanity to man could mean or would mean. And that God herself has literally put her arms around this creation and has said, I've had enough. The gig is up. You guys are done. We're closing that circle. And we're going to love it away. And loving it away doesn't mean we're going to turn the other cheek completely on the darkness that has befallen the planet. What it means is that we're going to round up those guys and send them on their way. And they get to choose to accept the light or not. And if they choose not, then they have another ending that's different from what everyone else is doing. So this is a huge aha for people because now you don't have to move into judgment. Now you don't have to keep score. Now you don't have to, quote, forgive. Because even in the Course in Miracles, it says forgiveness is not required. Why? Because there are no affronts. Now, I'd like to get into that for a little bit, if I may. Sure. I'm listening. <laughs> We're all listening. The, um, the business of forgiveness is a very big business, and um, there's lots and lots of energy around so-called forgiveness. And forgiveness is still the scorekeeping. When you don't keep score, there's nothing to forgive. Now, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I discovered a man who had stolen from me a huge sum of money, especially at the time in my life when I re- that there was like an enormous sum of money. It was like $5,000. And I discovered later he was another version of me. If he's another version of me, did I steal from myself? And if I stole from myself, am I stealing? The Cohen here, the conundrum is so hilarious. Now, I can sit back today and laugh about it. I don't know that I was laughing at the time. And and as a mystic, you know, I went to the altar and I was looking for justice. And I was saying, this is not fair. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, it's an outrage. And I was told to write a letter to this person and to tell him how I felt. And then I was told, whatever he sends you, is payment in full. Well, the man sent me a check for $250 and had this whole list of expenses that were totally trumped up. And I remember thinking, I can't believe I was actually told whatever he sent me would be payment in full, and this is what I get. But that's what I did. I let it all go and blah, blah, blah. Many years later, when I was doing one of those exercises that you do with people where you stare at each other and then their face morphs and you get to see other things, Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, my partner, who was a known and trusted spiritual being, very high himself, saw this man's face over my face. And because of the markings on the face, it was, it was completely um, recognizable who it was. And I remember taking all of that into meditation a few days later, going, well, you know, what the heck? Why would that guy's face show up over my face? When A, he's not even on my consciousness anymore. I let it all go. I have no attachment. I have no energy on it. And that's when I was told, well, now you're ready to hear this. And that is that he was another version of me. 
Mm-hmm. And that, <laughs> that was like, oh, no. And then, of course, I had another situation where I was in an environment, and instead of saying to the angels, you know, can you do this, can you do this, blah, 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 it was very clear, what do you need from me? To the angels, what do you need from me? And when they told me to reconnect with this guy, I said, okay, fine, but it has to happen in this time frame, and blah, 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 blah. And the whole thing was like, you know, you got 48 hours to make this happen because I'm leaving town. Hmm. The man in question showed up at a restaurant that I wasn't even planning on going to until a few (laughs) minutes before this all came together. And it was, you know, on the opposite side of town that we both lived on. You know, there were some changes at the last minute with who I was going to meet for lunch and someone else joining us. And, you know, we made all these, like, last minute, okay, well, let's do it this way then. And I look at this and I realize that that was a very clear message to me. And in that case, why was I asked to meet with him again? And that was because I was being too rigid on the side of the letter of the law, and he was being too loose on the side of making sure he got his needs met and not keeping agreements with other people to make sure he got what he needed first. And that, between the two of us, shifted. He became more likely to treat agreements as sacred, and I became less rigid about how to interpret things. So we accomplished what was needed. And that version of me had an agenda. And that's one of the things. There's more than one version of you. And all the versions of you are on a mission to complete certain categories, to complete certain uh, projects, if you will. And in that case, that agenda was to learn about integrity. And to learn about integrity to be on the loose side of it and also on the rigid side of it and then to find our way to the middle. Very powerful experience. And in the overall, it took years for that to unfold. So as you, our listener, are experiencing life and are going through, you know, your trainings and your your awarenesses, understand that no matter what you think you see, it's limited. Because our capacity to understand the reality around us increases as we evolve, as we become more plugged into the divine, we're actually capable of understanding and seeing things. It's just like when my stuff started to disappear, initially I thought, well, you know, it's like monkeys in space. We send the monkeys ahead, find out what's going on, see what happens to their bodies, and then we'll go. So when my stuff started disappearing and I was told it was in a higher dimension, I figured, well, you know, I'm practicing. My stuff is going ahead of me, and I'm just practicing. And then one day, instead of asking the question, what, where did my stuff go, I asked a different question, which was a new question I had received, again, in awareness, that there's only one question to ask when you have something happen that makes no sense. And that question is, what's going on? If you say, who did it? Why did this happen? That's weird. I, I, um, I, I wanted to know how this happened. You know, all of those things keep us locked in polarity. But when we say what is going on, it's completely open-ended. 
So that's what I was told. Maureen, you were in a higher dimension when you put it down. And if I'm doing it, so are you. Mm-hmm. And so is so, everybody else. So what is the difference or what is the what is the difference in terms of your language of fifth dimension? I, I, let me give you just a little bit of background. Uh, yeah, I was raised by a physicist, and so we would talk about the dimensions in terms of the scientific definitions of, of, of dimensions. And so this one dimension is a single point. It has no time and space. Two dimension has... Has, has space, but it's on one line between two points, so it's very limited space, but still nonetheless you can move within space on one plane. Three dimension, you have three planes, many points, and there is the existence of time, but the time is on a, is on a two-dimensional level. You can move across it, but it's past, present, future. Four dimension, now time is, is, uh, is, has many points, has many planes. You can move among all sorts of different times. You can move all sorts and, and simultaneously move within the three-dimensional uh, multiple plane level. In fifth dimension, I'm just wondering if, if this is relevant or not, where you now have the ability to move with, through all different time frames and of, of all sorts of different universes, if we could say, multi-universes. And you also have, and within the multi-universes, many different planes. So you're no longer limited to three-dimensionality. So you have a lot of versatility. Now, that's my physicists understanding of the fifth dimension what is the difference or comparison between your use of the term five dimension to that or to ascension or to consciousness or to uh, self-realization what or what what is what is your way of using this term first of all i uh i'm in agreement with much of what you've said um, so I'll just cherry pick the things that I am not in agreement with so we can just focus on those to start Beautiful. with. Beautiful. Um, I experience time in a different way than what the physicists do. What I have been uh, uh, trained by my guides is that time is a construct. So it is not one of the dimensions per se. It is a construct of agreement among dimensional beings and higher beings for how things will operate on this planet. Now, um, at 5D, yes, we can uh, move through different timelines and different versions of the reality. Um, That's one of the things that shows up in 5D. But time itself is a construct, and it is not fourth dimension. I experience fourth dimension as a zone or vibrational level uh, that is is a um, basis for projections from other dimensions to coalesce and then to be projected on the third. So I'll say a couple of metaphors. Number one, I see the dimensions as nested Russian dolls. So in third, you can see down into second and first. And I'm in complete agreement on the definitions you used for those uh, categories. Then on fifth, you're actually able to participate in fourth and third but you are not uh, you are not in third. If you're in fifth, you're able to have access to so much more, which is what we've already described. That we're also in agreement that fifth is very multidimensional and multi. It's lateral as well as as um, uh, high. Now, fifth dimension is quite vast, and so there's lower levels of five and upper levels of five. And so we're just going to glom that all together for a moment and say that five gives you access to higher dimensionality and higher expressions, but it happens as a process. 
Now, again, I love metaphors, and one of my favorite metaphors is to explain to people that fifth dimension is not a place we're going to. Fifth dimension is a vibrational matrix that we evolve to. And in the process, we do not lose our connection to third, at least not initially. And my metaphor here is that moving between third and fifth is like being a teenager. One minute you do something very mature, and the next minute you do something very stupid. And so as we move through this, quote, version of adulthood, as I will make the metaphor, we succeed in being very mature, and then we slide back. Now, we slide back because certain things push our buttons, certain things set us off, there are certain triggers in our own world. And as we heal our wounds, as we heal our judgment of ourselves, then those triggers can no longer set us off. And then we get to stay in 5D longer. In addition, we can be proactive instead of reactive. We understand reactive. You know, somebody says something, you know, I'm always self-conscious about being overweight, so if somebody makes a comment about my weight, I'm going to get, you know, it's going to be a trigger. In the 5D, you're proactive in a way that anticipates that uh, interaction in a way that puts you in your power place. So if someone thinks you're a flake or thinks you're, you know, you're a little off the deep end because you believe in what weird stuff, you're ahead of the curve and you make the comment before they can. So you make the comment like, oh, yeah, I know you, I know uh, all this stuff seems kind of weird to you and you think, you know, all that stuff, uh, that I'm, I'm really off. And it's so nice to know how happy I am in my craziness. And you're like ahead of them, allowing them to be right, but also validating yourself. I'm ahead. They're going to call it craziness, but I'm validating my being, quote, ahead. Now, fourth dimension is the coalesce point of everything polarity-based. So if we were to make a metaphor here, we would say that's where the projection room is. And the screen is in third dimension. So fourth dimension is this quality that also has polarity. Now, fourth dimension moves much faster than third. So when you slide into fourth, a crying jag, or you're in a euphoria that slides you up to fifth. If you're in a crying jag, you can actually slide down and be in a self-perpetuating negative place, like Robin Williams' wife in the movie Field. Uh, in the movie What Dreams May Come. So the biggest difference from everything you said is that time is a construct and we can opt in and opt out consciously. I don't recommend opting out permanently because then you would probably end up at a special hospital. So do you think that it's reasonable to say that an individual who has, if I can say, transitioned or ascended or spends a considerable time in 5D really can access all of the wonderful tools of each of the preceding dimensions and is being exposed to some of the tools from the forward, the sixth, the seventh, so forth dimensions that you also discuss really well in your book so that you're never really having to 
get rid of tools or disconnect from things from the standpoint that they're access- they're accessible to you to the degree that they're of relevance and help. Um, but you but you know you don't you no longer use a toothpick to do what a wrench can do because now you have the wrench so to speak. Um, that is really I don't know if any of that makes well, sense to you. Well, I think I think that that's true, but I want to caution. Uh, offer up a caution, and that is right when we think that we're 5D all the time is when we're not. Because even analyzing where we're at is a 3D behavior. At 5D, you don't care. At 5D, you don't care about anybody. But you also don't need to, quote, care about anybody. You mean from a judgmental standpoint? You're so plugged into the reality that I know when you're upset. And I feel it too. And my feeling it allows me to act and be in a way that's sensitive to that. So it isn't a matter of, quote, caring. It's a matter of being and I am being you in 5D when I am interacting with you. And so as we observe, <laughs> this is kind of funny, we actually need 3D to notice the differences when we're 5D so that we can relax into it and let go. You know, uh, last week I went zip lining for the very first time. No, it's so and I fun. remember thinking, I remember thinking, I wonder if I'll be afraid. I wonder if my, you know, my body will react to, you know, this this sensation. And I remember getting, you know, hooked up and ready to launch, and thinking, well, I don't feel anything. I don't feel any different. And then, you know, I let go. And as soon as I let go, again, I'm like. Scanning, and this is happening in split seconds, so I'm describing this very slowly. I relaxed into the harness, and that was all I needed to do. And so as I'm scanning and relaxing into the harness, you know, both things are going on at the same time. And then, as you say, so much fun. But now I'll give you another mm-hmm. example. I, uh, I, um, I take people on dolphin swims. And one year I had a woman who was terrified of the water but really had a strong desire to be in the water with the dolphins. So she would suit up, you know, with one of these um, uh, life jackets. And then she and her husband would get in the water and she would hang on to him for dear life. And, you know, we would go into the water. We did this like four times over the workshop series. And um, on the fourth day I said, that's it. You know, you're not hanging on your husband this time. You can hang on me if you need to, but you know, let him go. Let him enjoy himself. So she jumps in the water and grabs me, you know, like again, like dear life. And I immediately felt her fear. And she probably had drowned in a previous lifetime, had been trying to quote resolve that energetically through many experiences. And as I felt her fear, it became me. I felt her fear. I was drowning. I could feel it. I could feel everything it felt like. Oh, my God. 
And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness. And as soon as I noticed that I was feeling her feeling, I grounded it and gave it to Mother Earth with gratitude and released it. And her eyes got really big and said, oh, my God, it's gone. I'm not afraid oh, wow. anymore. Nice. And it was that fast. So that's, that's the difference. Do you see? So mm-hmm. all of our conjecturing, all of our analysis and everything are useful in 3D because it gives us our point of contrast. It helps us understand what it is that's really happening. And that's part of the reason why 3D is so big. It's also part of the reason why we uh, facilitated and, and have participated in 3D being what it is. So, yeah, we're done. Yeah, the game is over, and we're wrapping things up. And it's so nice to be understand the contrast so as we move to higher elements, we can also consciously be aware, oh, yeah, I used to do that. Not anymore. And you don't even go into the what, what was the do that that I used to do. That's as far as you go, because if you start to mentally, you know, think about it, you're literally dropping yourself back down to 3D. So that's one of the temptations, is to get too mental, too analytical about our fifth dimensional experience. Which leads me to another question that I had as I was reading your materials, which was this, is that you said the 3D is all heart, um, or in another place you said, it's when the, the, the mind and the heart are consulted together. And in another place you mentioned, and you mentioned it earlier in the show, uh, where really you have the, you have the integration, the, the har- harmony, the synchronicity between the heart, the emotions, the etheric, and the, um, the brain, the, the intellect, the intelligence, the thinking capacities. And I was just wondering, is the fifth dimension really just heart or is it this beautiful confluence of all that we can be in the 3D, the fourth day, et cetera, all that we can be blended in with the coexistence with all that is around us in the 5D as an accumulation of all the other Ds? So is it, is it that it's led by the heart or that the heart is the primary or that it's a confluence? that finds synergism because they're no longer fighting with the polarity or the uh, dualities. Um, As I say in Waking Up at 5G, it's a dance and the heart Mm -hmm. has to lead, but excuse me, the mind has to lead when you're, you're moving from 3D to 5D. When you're in 5D, the heart leads and the mind follows. So it's a dance. The leader does change, but it doesn't matter who the leader is. But like every dance, there's one lead, and there's one that is in absolute synchronicity with the lead. You know, the cues are so subtle and so um, uh, intuitive that the, the action of the heart is influencing the decisions of the mind and vice versa. So it's really all of the above. That confluence is there. Um, the uh, interesting thing is, so I don't see that, 5D includes all the higher dimensions initially. Ultimately, it could. But the thing we have to be cognizant of is everything is evolving. Everything is an expression of this evolution. So, for example, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Number one, 
um, if you think of um, yourself in 5D, let's say we call that your heavenly self, that's a version of what the traditional churches or religions would teach us is heaven, then that's 5D. But once you become fifth dimensional, initially the expression of the human expands to the expression of the other. And you experience the other, whoever you're interacting with, as part of you. And you experience yourself as both who you are and the other, like a baby doesn't experience himself as separate from for a long time. He thinks his mom and he are the same. So what happens is, and this happens to everyone, I think. Now, you know, as, as, as a person who understands this from a psychological standpoint, you may have something to offer to this, but even when I was in my 20s, Many of the experiences I was having, and I think this is true for lots of people, especially those of us who have brought in these gifts, we don't realize initially that everybody isn't experiencing things the way we do. And it isn't until we become aware of other people's lack or discomfort or whatever it is that we discover that we don't, think that way or do we we don't operate that way and i think that's pretty uniform i think that's pretty standard so we initially come in unified with the whole and we gradually separate as we become more 3d more integrated in our physical bodies as we are supposed to do as we become fifth dimensional that first layer is the perfection of the self perfection of who i am what i am how i express and then that next layer is me feeling you and feeling your, who you are. And then my experience with you allows you to come up higher. So, for example, if you don't have self-love and yet I'm still very loving, then what happens is you change who you are. And I'll give you a cute story, an example. A woman... Uh, was given, you know, the whole group was given a chance if they wanted to get in the water without their bathing suits. And, you know, there was some announcement that there was a request for nudity, and if people wanted to do that, it would be okay. It was a small group. So, at one point after a storm, a woman got the message, you know, she should go in without her bathing suit. And then later she came back, and she said, you know, I didn't get in the water like that to show off. And the response was, it wouldn't matter if you had. That's unconditional love. Do you see? That the woman was judging herself, worried that somebody might think she was trying to show off her body, uh, you know, look at me kind of a thing. And the response was so loving, it, it wouldn't matter if you did. What a great response. That's a 5D response. And what that did is change the woman. She changed because now she understood that she was loved and lovable. And so she changed who she thought of herself as. So that's level one of 5D. Then maybe that's actually level two because the first level is the self, perceiving the self as, as perfect. 
The second layer is being able to perceive others around you, again, unconditionally, with absolute joy and appreciation. And then we move into certain ways of interacting, certain ways of uh, um, being with one another. And I'll give you a metaphor because I think this is, a, this is a very profound metaphor. And it has to do with the woman who started Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And I think I wrote about it in the book, but I'm not sure in this exact moment. But the metaphor is in 3D, she experienced a very severe loss, her daughter. In her uh, experience of her emotion, of her grief, she was expressing at fourth dimension her deep, deep grief. But she chose to take that grief high and began an organization that would help others and educate. That was a fifth dimensional expression. Then she created this group that could interact in schools and in other places to help grow the education. That's a six-dimensional expression because she's moving in a group. Then we move into the seventh uh, layer or the seventh dimension because the group itself began acting as one and everyone who heard the acronym M-A-D-D knew that it stood for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And so the group became its own expression, much like a gang has an expression. This gang stands for this, or this gang stands for that, okay? And then then the eighth-dimensional expression is the group consciousness creates an energetic collective that is uniform and unified so they can reach more people and create better opportunities for people to know and understand. And then the ninth dimensional expression is when she's not only going to like-minded groups like she was in eighth, but she's actually going to dissimilar groups. So she or the organization is speaking at Congress, at the United Nations, dissimilar groups, and that moves them into a connection with the collective and then it's fast. But it helps, you know, as you kind of ruminate on all of this and you start to understand everything in the microcosm is reflected in the macrocosm. Everything in the macrocosm is reflected in the microcosm. Everything is holographic. Okay, so I think that the, you know, just take, taking everything that you're saying, I'm thinking very, you know, I'm trying to think on many different levels and, the ones that come to the forefront are our current situation politically. And I'm thinking about the dilemma that the United States is in with the type of leadership, well, lack of leadership in terms of it is not humane. Uh, I'm sorry to be very bigoted on this one. I'm very polarity on this. But I don't see humanity or humaneness being the primary source of, of a lot of the governance that's going on. Okay, so then what I what I do what I do about that with my shamanic training or my Reiki or um, my astral work or my Akashic records what I, what I do with that I'll just simplify it I um, do healing sessions I do healing sessions as I am in different altered states I do um, uh, 
loving outreach, I don't know how you might call it prayer, or loving outreach to all the entities involved on all the different levels so that we know that love and, and humane treatment of all is the goal here. Um, and that's, that's the pervasiveness to, to find, and I might do remote influencing where I find someone that I'm led to go to where I, I work within their higher self uh, with permission, of course. I mean, so, so I might do Reiki over a globe. I mean, I could do I can do a lot of different things in terms of what I feel led to do. Maybe soul extraction. I mean, it could go on and on a very long list of different things I could do, and do do. So in the process of that, obviously, my I have a definition, and it's somewhat based in the polarity. And I was reading your book with thinking about that. It's based on the polarity that I do not like inhumanity to, to anything on earth. I don't care if it's humans or otherwise, but I don't like that. I have a, a strong aversion to that. And then to try to see that undergird that third dimension aversion is a shift into, I mean, I'm talking self-consciously here, the shift into that it really extends from a pervasive love for the all that we are all a part of and that we are all in this and that we are all of God and in God and in source. And I know what what I just said has a lot of different meanings to different people, but take it on whatever face value that that out of love for that sense of all, I I cry for any disrespect of any portion of that all, and is that crying? So, is I as I'm working one last thing is I'm working with Metatron or I'm working with Michael or I'm working Raphael and I'm I'm in 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 sync. And I'm doing this, and I'm doing all of these things in and out of sync. What is all of that? And from from your description of five dimensionality and so forth and so on, from your paradigm, your way of organizing an understanding of these processes, what what are those? Whatever ones you want to pick at. And secondly, what within your paradigm is relevant? to addressing the manifestations of the evils, 3D talk, polarity, the evils, the harm of this, what's going on in the planet currently, that is there to call us into 5D consciousness and functioning, what, the, using the 5D tools. Well, Maureen, those were really big questions, but I know you're up okay. to it, so go for it. Uh, of course. Now, first of all, I have a lot of agreement with what you're saying and a lot of disagreement with what you're saying. So we'll start with the agreement that I am in agreement that we can do something. I do not agree that we need to ask permission because those energies have been pulled out of the reality. So any of those, quote, machinations that we're observing, man's inhumanity to man, are no longer permitted. So anybody who's doing that is acting outside of the law, no different than the guy who's speeding on a neighborhood street where the kids are playing, <coughs> excuse me, and when the kids come out and play, you're worried that this guy that's driving fast, so you stop him and you say, look, you need to slow it down. You can't be driving like that because the kids play on the street all the time. The guy says, well, you know, too bad. This is a street for cars. It's not for kids. And I'm not going to do that. And you can say, if you don't stop, I'm going to call the police. So you call the police. You have every right to do that. So it's not required to take permission. That's number one. Number two, well said. I am in alignment with 
you in that there can be something that you and I can do, and that is pray. Now, you have all these tools that you're able to do and that many of our listeners can do, and I highly recommend using those. I created a very simplistic, dramatic meditation called Divine Government Meditation. It's 11 minutes long. It's free on my website, and anybody can do it. And it calls in the highest version of every political leader, of every leader of every kind, whether they're the leader in your company or they're the leader of your country. And they are then getting that that special blessing. Just like we pray for our children, we are entitled and expected to pray for our political leaders. And it's silly not to. Every And I tell people all the time, instead of complaining, why don't you pray for them? You know, if I told you about my son who's acting out and I'm really worried about him that he's going to you know, become a drug lord or something, you'd say, I'll pray for him. You wouldn't hesitate. So why is it that we can sit in judgment of our political leaders and not in the same breath say, I will pray for them? And you're active, actively doing it, so that's cool. But we don't need permission. For sure we don't need permission because those guys are all out of the bounds of what is now being permitted in the reality. Now, I want to make a couple of metaphors here, and then I want to swing back to this. This is kind of like Darth Vader was put into the storyline to create the drama, to create the conflict, to create the soldier's journey, whatever you want to call it. And after it's all over, there's a big cast party, and everybody celebrates. But Darth is liking playing that role so much, he refuses to take his costume off. (laughs) And... He becomes Darth Vader to everybody all the time. And, and so you're laughing, and that's great, because that's exactly what's happened. Now, I have one other thing to say about all this, and that is I don't agree that our politicians, especially the one we have right now at the helm of the United States of America, is a bad guy. I do think he's a narcissist. I do think his personality is extreme. However, he is the only person out of all the people that we considered at every level that has such a powerful personality that he cannot be pushed around. He will not let any, he's not beholden to either side in terms of the political arena, nor is he beholden to those that would have us fail. And that every so-called attempt to either take him out of office or to take him down, turns out that they're fabricated. So even though he has an ego, he also has a moral character. And that moral character has driven him in a certain direction and allowed him to be where he is today. So I look at him and I say he's the right man for the job. You don't have to like the person that's going to get the job done. You just have to pray that he is able to do the job and that they don't take him out. Because anybody who tries to take him out is leading sheep. Because it is only the sheep that don't get it, who he is and what he's really doing. And it's the people who refuse to wake up to the hijacking of the American government by those that would have us fail or those who have tried to have us fail 
And that's the only reason we have somebody like him now. And so, so even though a lot of people don't get him and a lot of people don't like him, and certainly I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with a narcissist, at the same time, he is the person that basically cannot, will not be intimidated. <laughs> and I believe he is very well protected by all of the legions of light. I believe he's very protected energetically. And, you know, we're all still de- dealing with our 3D stuff. We're still, you know, sometimes affected. You know, like, I can put up with insults. I can put up with obnoxiousness. All of that, nothing bothers me. But when my husband does something that I feel that he knows better, he gets me. He gets to me. And so we all have our little things that can bring us down. And certainly the political <laughs> arena is one of them. So I, I'm on the other side of the fence. I have always felt that he had the capability of this. And what's interesting is here I am a mystic. You know, and I don't stay, I, I'm very interested in politics, but I tend to not comment on it, even though I am very interested, like you. And I can tell you, for over 20 years, I have been a fan of Donald Trump. And the number one thing, when people say, how can you even like that guy? My response was, he never filed bankruptcy. He oh, never yeah, he filed bankruptcy. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, he did. Oh, yes, he did. He did not. So his companies filed bankruptcy, but he personally has never filed bankruptcy. And most of the debt that he had from his companies were leveraged and bought out at 10 cents on the dollar. So he paid the debt. Those people took a hit, but he still got the, quote, paid stamp. And, you know, I had a personal conversation with his personal attorney at an event where I was in a place. I was able to walk up to him and have a conversation. And I asked him point blank. And he said he has never filed personal bankruptcy. So I have it on a firsthand authority. And while it might be true that his companies leveraged and his companies did that, but he never did personally. And there's a lot of people out there that are giving people advice that have filed bankruptcy. And that was one of my buttons because my ex-husband filed bankruptcy and named me as his creditor. So before our divorce was final, I was left with the family debt. And I had a choice. We all have choice. I could have filed bankruptcy with him. I could have filed bankruptcy on my own. Or I could pay it off. I paid it off. It took me seven years. I don't recommend everybody do what I did. But that was my choice. But that's mm-hmm. because I knew I was a spiritual teacher. I knew I was teaching manifestation. And I wanted to be the example. Unlike people like Kayasaki, who did file bankruptcy, and then tells everybody, don't make the mistakes we made. And my response is, you know, you're out there. You're, you know, you're younger than me. You could have chosen differently. And you chose what you chose. Everybody does. Maybe I set myself up to take a hit that was under 100 k and so that's why I did pay it off. Maybe if I had had a million-dollar debt, I would have, had, would have filed bankruptcy. One of the things I do know, and this is really powerful to help you stay in 5D, and that is we have choice. That means that phrase, I have to, can be banished from our language. That's a proactive action that everybody who is on an advanced spiritual path 
can take to advance their spirituality. Because the minute you proactively eliminate that phrase, you've changed everything. So instead of saying, I have to pick up the kids from daycare, I have to meet my husband, I have to get this report done for my boss, I have to go to the doctor, instead, we change it. I'm picking up my kids on time. I love being on time. They love seeing me. I'm meeting my husband for dinner without the have to. Uh, I'm, I, I need to go now because I want, like being on time instead of I have to. Because the have to phrase puts us in an umbrella of big brother or of the man, of some oversight that controls us. And that's, there's a number of key elements. There's like five key elements that keep us dropped back in the third dimension, part of mass consciousness, and the mass consciousness programming that has been beamed upon humanity. Football games, soccer games, any world sport or national sport, the morning coffee, the morning newspaper, the morning news, all of that. The coffee clutch or the water cooler. That whole energy of, well, you heard my... Uh, I heard your, you know, he done me wrong story. You should hear my he done me wrong story. <laughs> that one-upmanship of the drama that people have encountered is also all part of mass consciousness feeding us that we don't have control. And we do. We always have choice. And we always, always are choosing in every moment. And this is one of the principles of becoming fifth dimensional. It's the recognition that there are five possible ways we can go for every decision. Two are below grade, two are above grade, and the fifth one is the divine choice that locks us into 5D. It's so it's so interesting. And as I'm listening to you and trying to piece all of this together, I have an absolutely opposite take on Trump. And it is interesting to me in talking to light workers. Uh, when we, we stand and we look at the exact same person who is an archetype or a persona or a reality, and we say very opposite sorts of things. So there's polarity just right there. I just want to give you a little bit of background. I'm from a community where uh, Donald Trump personally and his organization tried to rob not once but three times a considerable amount of money, sued the community for ridiculous sorts of things which cost the community millions of dollars unnecessarily because the community opened up their arms to allow him to put transplant one of his uh, golf courses. And I watched um, firsthand how he was decimating the people and manipulating them and buying them off. And it was startling to me. At the same time, I also know people who have met him on his sites and said what a personable, loving, kind, thoughtful individual he appears to be. I have friends that know him directly and have said both both sides of it uh, as well. And so, uh, and I could go on and on. His his raping of a 13-year-old girl is a actual reality. That's not a fiction. Uh, and I could go on and on with the realities of, of what I see on my side and know you say he's not able to be influenced. Uh, he is taking Putin at his word, and uh, and people are talking about how they are scared about how he's actually owned 
and persuaded by Putin for a lot of different reasons, and those are very well defined and mapped out. Um, and so I could go on and on and on those details. You, on the other hand, could also go on and on in terms of your experience, talking about the lawyer, the way he handled his bankruptcies and things of that sort, and feel like he's a person who's outside the political constructs, outside the phrase, so he can finally get things done. I completely, categorically disagree with that in terms of his, who he's appointed to the cabinet and that they're billionaires that are very out of touch with the planet and its pollution and its, uh, what, what he did to Dakota uh, oil lines first weekend. I, I, I disagree. So here's my question behind my pitching the other side of the story. In light workers, and we're in a fifth 5D where there is not this polarity of discussion. And sometimes I feel like I am, I must be living in a different multi-universe than you because I see things so completely differently. And yet I believe that your heart and my heart are both committed to divine, humane respect and love. And we're both committed to that. And I know that. But here we are in two different universes of perception, two different data points, two different information, two different experiences. And the polarity that's being created on this one person, this turning point of this one person, the polarity is outstanding to me. And I sometimes feel as if I am in the middle of two multiverses that are both opposite Trumps, and we are talking to each other through the veil and not realizing that we're talking through a veil where you're in a different universe than I am and that you're still a light worker on your side and I'm a light worker on my side because if you knew what I knew about Trump, you would never conclude what you just told me. And you're saying that if I knew what you knew, I would never conclude what I do. And it, it is striking me that there's this, there's this collision as these two universes seem to be uh, in the same moment. What do you think about this idea? I think I'm Pollyanna. And I believe, <laughs> I believe that it is incumbent upon us to create the reality we want. And creating the reality we want means we must dismiss that which we do not approve of. We know this in personalities. We know this in psychology. We know that when we expect a bad performing student to turn himself around and we create the matrix for them and we, we hold them to it, there's a shift. Mm-hmm. So I would maintain that I have no desire to, you know, point, counterpoint all of that stuff and instead to say, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe all those things that I don't know about are true. But what I do know is that his moral character is higher than any other politician that's ever held that office in the recent past because he hasn't been compromised like those other guys have been. Now, see, I would no... disagree. So tell, tell me what you're feeling about I know other things that would say just the opposite. How do you feel that in this moment, two light workers come together and they're looking at the same person and you, from your point of view, experience integrity. And from my 
experience, I experienced deplorability. And, and we're both, I, I think that this is a very relevant moment in our conversation because it is the relevance of lightworkers everywhere uh, trying to make a shift. What, what do you feel about that collision? Me. One of the things that was channeled through me by the Ascended Masters was that we are in a free fall, free for all. Okay. And that the version of the future has not been articulated. We have not created it. And I maintain that if you focus on what you do not want, what you do not like, you will get more of the same. And even if you are 100% right about Donald Trump, you are playing with fire by focusing on it. Because I maintain that it, we are obligated to focus on all that is good, all that we love, all that we find acceptable, and move forward with that and reinforce that. And when we do, we will get more of the same. And it won't matter. I don't know if you raised any children, but I raised four sons. Sure, yes. And there were plenty of things that one of my sons did. In fact, he probably did everything you could do. You know, so... (laughs) I used to say to myself... I'm having a vision of him calling me from someplace else. He's telling me about his adventures. He's telling me he's so happy. And I'm telling him I am so proud of him. Now, if all those things are true, that means he straightened himself out. It means he's not living at home. It means he is happy doing something he loves, and it means that whatever he's doing, it's on the side of goodness because I wouldn't be proud of him if it weren't. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying we need to do that for Donald Trump and let mm-hmm. the rest go. Not because it's not true. Not because uh, we want to, uh, you know, be Pollyanna or, or be, you know, with our heads in the sand. No. But because it is incumbent upon us, because the, re- the reality that we're creating hasn't been finished yet. And if we're throwing mud on the wall instead of a beautiful painting, we're going to get more mud before the beautiful painting is finally visible. And I also believe that there are people who are supposed to know about these things and do something about it. But what I also know is the light workers are far more powerful, and you said this at the beginning of the show, right? far more powerful than any other being on the planet because we are garnering our energy and we are um, uh, projecting that energy and we're creating with that energy proactively. And if we're proactively on the attack with anyone, especially our leader, we're slowing him down. And I will tell you one other thing, and this has to do with another president and another experience that I had as a walk-in. This man was a walk-in. 
And a friend of us, a friend of mine, sat the two of us down at lunch. She wanted to see what would happen. So, she, you know, she said, tell Maureen what you think of the president, a different president. And then she said, now, Maureen, tell her what you think, because I know it's completely different. And I told her. And this woman disagreed with me, like you are. And I said to her, you're an angel communicator. You say that you've gone to his energetic field and that you can see all this darkness. I won't disagree with that. What I will ask you is to go back there again and ask where it's coming from. And I'm going to bet that you're going to be told it's coming from all the light workers that are throwing mud. Hmm. Closed her eyes. She sat in silence for a moment. She opened her eyes really wide and said, Oh my God, you are right. And that's why I'm on the side of Pollyanna. <laughs> it's fascinating to me. It's just really, really fascinating to me. It's just, this is going to be a puzzle that, uh, um, I mean, I've, you know, this discussion is it's a very common discussion. And this is going to be a puzzle in the future for, I think, a lot of us as we look back, as we have the retrospection of everything that becomes revealed and the light that shines on this. And I thank you for your input in in terms of your perspective because, um, well, because number one, because I honor that people have perspectives and they have their point of view. And number two, because I think that in moving to the fifth dimensional world, it is a spiraling of, of how do I deal with the realities of polarity and alternate points of view? Because those are realities. And how do I spin a consciousness that takes the fabric of the black and the white and takes the fabric of the, the pink and the blue? And those are opposing colors, so to speak, in the spectrum. And how do I take the fabric of opposing or opposites and let them exist, like you mentioned, the rainbow? Let them coexist, maybe in confluence. And then we talk about the divine uh, consciousness, that, that there's no such thing as not being in God consciousness in the fifth dimension. You mentioned very clearly in your book. And because there's no desire. I mean, it is the essence of that. So how do we take that and, and place it uh, in, in terms of workmen, in terms of light workers, into the realm of the 3D and what that's all about? And the mere fact that we can have a dialogue and be on absolutely opposite sides of a 3D reality um, to me, it's relevant. It's important that we do that. So yeah, I'm going to come back to the, the, what you said at the very beginning, which was that you believe that there's a history of uh, fallen angels and those angels that maintained their position to keep light and love on this planet. And that it is, so to speak, our job, let's say, to help them expel themselves, make decisions, and go to an alternate place to express whatever they're going to express, but to preserve the beauty, the love, the divinity of this planet um, in fifth dimension and how we keep focused as a 5D consciousness, but nonetheless are realizing that even that story is a 3D polarity um, point of view. This is going to be a long conversation, I think, but we are at the end of this, and it may be that people need to think about this and leave it there, and your book being very provocative in that regard, but how would you like to respond to that, Maureen? 
Well, because we're at the end of our time, yes. I will take a very proactive <laughs> approach okay. and say that I recommend everyone say at least once a day, I'm asking for a day of heaven on earth for myself yes. and everyone I come in contact with and everyone I'm in contract with. And that would include the subject of our last 20 minutes. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Heaven on earth. So day, asking yes. for a day of heaven mm-hmm does change everything for ourselves and everyone around mm-hmm. us. Absolutely, absolutely. Beautifully summarized. Maureen, I thank you so much for letting us have a real conversation about uh, deep and complicated spiritual things as well as as they apply to our emotional existence as it is. Folks, please take all of who you are, embrace it, and then open yourself and say, but there may be alternatives and expanded ways of experiencing things as well as you move out of your boxes and respect those that are out of your box as well. Maureen, with respect and love, I look forward to finishing your book, Almost There. Folks, we've talked to Maureen J. St. Germain, Awakening the Fifth Dimension. Maureen, how do they get to your website? MaureenStGermain.com, M-A-U-R-E-E-N-S-T-G-E-R-M-A-I-N.com. I also have a blog. blog. I also have a year-long program called the Ascension Institute. I teach in New York City and at Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles and all over the world in various uh, venues. Well, uh, you are a teacher well worth tuning into and contemplating. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. Be in peace and love, and contemplation. Cheers.